0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Today we're going to be in Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Romans is going to be probably four-fifths of the way through a paper Bible. uh, Well into the New Testament. And uh, to get us started, uh, I was reminded of a college course I took uh, psychology. I studied some psychology in college, and we were actually studying some other people's studies. Have you ever done that? You know, instead of doing the experiments ourselves, like in a rat lab, we were studying other people who had done experiments. And this one uh, looked something like this on the screen. It was a uh, now this I found when I was looking for an image of this uh, experiment when we were in college. I think they used rats, but apparently they used puppies, which is not really. It's going to be a little bit of a tangent for some of us because let me just to describe. If I remember right, the experiment was they would take an animal. I thought it was rats, but apparently puppies. This was back in 1965. You know, things have changed a little bit since 1965 on what we do with puppies, apparently. So anyway, the basic idea was you put, a, you put an animal in a small cage and a divider in the cage, and then what you do is you, uh, you uh, add some electricity, not a bunch, but you add some electricity in the floor to see the animal's response to when you give, give them a little a little shock down there, and basically what happens if it's a puppy or it was a rat when we were exploring it, like the puppy will go, ooh, and then he'll jump, oh, right, he'll jump over the divider to get relief on the other side. Can you at least go with me? This makes sense. And so it wasn't like they were doing this just for fun, like let's just make the dog jump back and forth, back and forth, but they would do this, and then it would figure, basically the dog was smart enough to find relief, figure out it had some control, and so if there was a, right? The interesting part of the experiment was if you then electrified both sides, get it? So the dog would go, ouch, jump on this side and still have an ouch over there. What would happen, some of you know this, what would happen actually fairly quickly is the dog or the rat would stop trying to make it all better. Does that make sense? And a lot of times it would happen fairly quickly. They would like jump to one side, but if that didn't help, they would jump the other side. And eventually they would, quick, sometimes quicker than you think, they would just give up and lay down and whine. Now that experiment is, is a reference to a term. This was the term back then. I think they still use it. It was called learned helplessness. And here's a definition of what that is. It's a state that occurs after an individual has experienced a stressful situation repeatedly. They come to believe that they are unable to control or change the situation, so they do not try. How many of you have heard of this before? Learned helplessness. Okay. So, anyway, they come to believe that they are unable to control or change the situation, so they do not try. Even when opportunities for change become available, and I remember back when we were studying this, that they would do some rat lab experiments where uh, they would they would turn off. Basically, if they did this repeatedly for just a few days, you could take the rat, you could put it in there, it wouldn't even jump over the hurdle once, and it would literally. This sounds cruel, and it may be what. It would literally just lay there and die before it would move. Isn't that a sad picture? Learned helplessness. A couple thoughts. And you're probably already there. This does not just apply to animals. The idea of learned helplessness. Have you ever, how many of you this year. You thought about doing a resolution, a re- resolution, or a resolution is what I call it, because I am dumb. You thought about doing a diet resolution, and uh, two and a half days ago, you just went, not even going to try. <laughs> Liars, come on, there are more than them. Or does that make sense? I thought of this in terms of the new year. Different things that you would have, but over the years, you're like, I'm just going to lay here and whine. I'm not even going to try to jump the hoop anymore. It would arguably be an example of learned helplessness. Maybe I think that we can get there with relationships, dating relationships, marriage relationships, where, you know, you think, oh, maybe I'll work on this. And then you just go, nah. And you just don't. Spiritually, I think it's a very real threat to our spiritual life at times to be disappointed and just quit. And where I want to head today is that learned helplessness is, I'm going to say never, arguably it is never God's approach to life and our situations. I cannot think of one significant biblical example of a person who's going through a struggle and connects with God, and God says, well, it is what it is. Right? I can't find it, right? Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. It's not there, folks. It is not God's nature. God doesn't have a t-shirt that says, well, it is what it is. He doesn't. I thought maybe the greatest example is Jesus. I can't find a place where where someone ran up to Jesus and said, my daughter is sick, and he said, bummer. (laughs) Or we ran out of food, and he went, oh, we're in trouble. Even on the cross, when he was dying, and he said, it is finished. It really wasn't finished, right? Right? So I wanna interject one of the most basic Christian biblical concepts, and it is the concept of hope. It's the concept of hope. And if you go back to the study of the learned helplessness stuff, you could argue that that learned helplessness is really just hopelessness, and God is the opposite of hopelessness. He's a God who brings hope into the world hope into situations with, with God you, you know like even my belly fat he would say all things are possible Mark you, you should sign up again and try it really or relational fatigue sets in and you get you connect with God and he'll say you keep trying because God's a God of hope Hold that thought. We're kicking off our first series of the year, and the simple title for the series is Hope. And we're starting this year with this series because I feel like as we got through 2020, it might feel a little bit easy to have navigated that year and end up needing a little more hope because it felt a little bit like last year at times. Did it wear anybody out? Are You worn out now? I wrote this little paragraph. Somebody was asking me about this idea for the Hope series. I didn't write this down to be published or anything. But uh, I wrote this down. Wow. 2020 has been many things. Hard. Hard. Weird, scary, weird, painful, scary, emotionally draining, weird, impossible, disruptive, and the list goes on. And you've probably heard this recently, if there is any good news regarding 2020, it's that it's over. How many times have you heard that recently where we're like, I'm just so glad it's over. And so it really was with that in mind that I think it's really important for us to move into 2021 with a fresh, hopeful Perspective, And so we're going to spend the first about 10 weeks or so this year working on and exploring the God who brings hope. And today we're uh, looking at the theme verse, which is Romans fifteen thirteen. Tiny bit of background if you're new to the book of Romans. The book of Romans is a theological book. Uh, if you've never taken on the book of Romans, hi, do it. Just, it's not an easy book necessarily, but you should just decide I'm going to plow through this. It will teach us about who God is, how God works. It ch- takes on some challenges. Uh, it also gives uh, narratives that give us wh- how, why the world works the way it works. It doesn't sugarcoat everything, but it, we're getting toward the end of the book when we get to Romans 15, and the writer interjects this prayer in just this one verse. And here's what it says. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with, say it, hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our theme verse for the next 10 weeks. May the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. Amen. So, what I want to do is lay a foundation for the next 10 weeks. Basically, this evening, through that verse, give you two reasons to be hopeful. Why don't you stand? And uh, we're going to pray about not just today, but we're going to pray about the next 10 weeks. So, Father, uh, I ask that uh, the next 10 weeks, for some of us, we're doing good on hope. <laughs> for, for, oh, wait, everybody sit back down. Sorry. Sit down. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not talking to God yet. I'm still talking to you. I want you to pause. It's okay. It's Saturday. How many of you ever been to Saturday service before? There's always at least three screw-ups in every Saturday service. All right. That was number one. Who's going to keep track? Andrew's got it. It's one. Before we even pray, I want to pause and ask you to explore in your life, is there an area of life you've lost hope? I get it, but driven by the Scripture, I have got to say to us, there is, Is hope in that situation. We would be amiss biblically, spiritually, as followers of Jesus, there is that situation is not hopeless. It might be hard, but it is not hopeless. Part of the idea for this series is that God would instill in us the right measure of or an increasing measure of hope. Is that okay? You want to stand up now and pray, or are you too tired already? Just stay seated. I, I believe, I, 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 Jose, I gave you way too much. So Just sit down. You guys sit. I will pray. Father, I do pray. Oh, gosh, and it's not just for us, God. We li- we're living in a world. We're living in a world that could sure use... Uh, instruments of hope. And there's probably people here. There's probably people online. Our hope levels are low. So will you take us to the right places today and over the next 10 weeks or so so that we might be filled with hope? In Jesus' name, amen. Two ideas from the text this evening. The first one is this. We should be hopeful because of God's positive perspective. If you're, there's a place, uh, if you're here, there's a place you can put notes down. If you're online, if you grab a piece of paper, there might be a few things that I'll say that are worth jotting down. Just write down something about God's positive perspective. Basically, God is a hopeful God. I'm gonna make the argument, God is a hopeful God. I noticed in verse 13, it, it says, May the God... Of hope. It's really kind of unique because it's almost a title for God. I noticed that it didn't say, May the hope of God be in you. May the hope of God, it doesn't say that, it's, it's like this introduction, may the God of hope. It's more like a title than it is a characteristic. So if you're introducing God, you might introduce him as, you wouldn't say, here's God who has hope. You would say, this is the God of hope. Do you see that that makes it a little bit bigger? Side note, I compared that to, how many of you know God also has wrath? Just raise your hand. If you raise your hand, you're answering the right answer. Yeah, it's true. He also has wrath. And yet the Bible, this was interesting to me, never calls him the God of wrath. Does he have wrath? Should we have uh, 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 the fear of the Lord? We absolutely should. But he he never takes on the title, the God of wrath. But he takes on the title, the God of hope. You see how I would argue primarily in his nature, in his being, he is and has probably way more hope than sometimes we give him credit for having. Generally, he's a positive, has a positive, hopeful, it's part of who he is. Let me try to give you a really bad illustration because, right, it's mistake number two, Andrew. Bad illustration. A guy in high school. His name was Greg Emenheiser. I didn't know him well. Great guy, Greg. If you happen to be watching, I hope I'm not going to insult you by telling this story. I hope maybe you'll remember it. He. Did you ever meet anybody or you had a friend that was just almost always happy, positive? Greg was that guy. Now I'm going to be honest, Greg. I don't know if this was true. It could have been because of different chemicals Greg may have been using back in those days. <laughs> I'm just saying there was some of that around, and he was just awfully happy. So Greg, he's a nice guy, and I just I don't remember a lot about him, but I remember being in like the commons area in high school, and uh, Greg had two uh, he had some Reese cups, you know, a little fun little candy thing. And so he had one of them, and I don't know why we were talking about it. He's like, "Oh man, i got some Reesey cups." Cool. So he had, and he had this in his hand, and a, and a guy, now we would call him a bully. Back then, we'd just call it life. Somebody came up, and they was like, Greg, what do you got? He said, man, I got a Reese cup. And the, the, the mean guy came up, because we were probably underclassmen, kids in high school, and he had it in his hand, and, and the mean guy said, wow, Greg, cool, can I see it? And Greg was like, yeah, man, look at my Reese cup. And the mean guy took his hand and went, bam, and mashed it down into Greg's hand. And Greg was like, oh, And he looked up and the guy took his hand off and then Greg said this. Greg, I don't know if you remember. Greg said, whoa, it's bigger now. (laughs) I don't know, I'm like, who are you, Greg? It's bigger now. But I would argue, okay, I'm going to compare that to God. Just so you know, God is not somewhere sort of high looking down go wow cool it's all bigger now but i would (laughs) i use it as an example of god in his nature even in difficult circumstances tends to see the potential and the good possibilities that can happen i think i had a fill in the blank here and and I know there's not filling the blanks in the handouts, but here it is. Even This is the truth. Even when situations are difficult, God rarely camps out on the negative. That's true. He rarely camps out. Can God be negative? Can he bring justice, conviction? Ch- yes, he can. He rarely camps out there. And I think I would argue because he is the God of hope. He shifts gears into hope, sometimes way quicker than what we give him credit for. Now, by the way, some of you do this great. Others, we need to hear this. I thought about Jesus, who by the by the by the way had some reasons to not have a bunch of hope with this whole salvation plan. And we've touched on this fairly recently. Jesus was born in a manger, and then even early in his life, and he's pursued by a king. We just talked about this during Christmas time. He had kind of a tough start, but it didn't stop the plan. I thought about when he was starting his public ministry, and he started his public ministry with a 40-day fast and being tempted in a desert by the devil. That'll wear you out. And then in Luke 4, after coming back from the temptation, he's really early in the ministry, he reveals his purpose and his mission statement in his hometown in Luke 4. It says in Luke 4, 6, he went to Nazareth, Nazareth, that's number three, isn't it? I don't have any more mistakes. Nazareth, where he had been brought up. So this is his hometown crowd. And here's the announcement. He grabs a scroll and he says in verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim. We're going to read the rest of the verse, but notice how positive this proclamation is. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That's positive. That's positive. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind. How good is this? Set the oppressed free, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Who could not love that proclamation? His hometown. If you read the rest of the story, by the end of that church service, they're all angry, and it says... Verse 29, his home, this is part of his hometown. They got up, drove him out of town in order to throw him off the cliff. Welcome to ministry, Jesus. But what, what I love about Jesus is verse 30, But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. There's little indication of any disappointment. Jesus just keeps going. He's the God of hope. I couldn't help but think of that old uh, uh, animated film, Finding Nemo. Remember that? Back in whatever that was. And the the um, Dory. So you remember what Dory she kept, right? Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Swimming, swimming. Somebody you in your head, you're hearing it, right? And 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 again, God's not a cute little fish with short-term memory loss. God knows everything. He's well-equipped for all things, but He's not a God that would be too far off from saying, "What are we going to do today? We are going to keep swimming. Just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Right?" positive God. When I was thinking about this, I was asking myself, God, how do you stay so positive? I was just asking the question, and four things came to my mind. Here's one of the reasons why God is so full of hope. Four things, and these will affect our hope. The first thing, he has unlimited power, right? That's why he's not down today. He has unlimited power. In Matthew 19, 26, Jesus says, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are... That's why he's full of hope, because all things are possible. He's not scared. God's full of hope in all situations because he has unlimited power. He is full of mercy. It's the second idea. He's full of mercy. And this translates into my life, into your life. He's the God of second chances, or third, or fourth. sometimes 423rd because he's a God of mercy and mercy means you don't get what you deserve it means you're going to get grace and a second chance and we get to start again and that's why God is hopeful that's why we can be too Why is God hopeful in all situations? It's because God operates in wisdom. There's not a difficult situation anywhere that God looks and goes, yeah, I'm just not sure how we're going to get out of this. Because he just knows. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, is anything too hard? God is saying this. Is anything too hard for me? Nope. Nope. The last thought that came to my mind why God is a God of hope it's because he has all the time he needs. Sometimes we lose hope because we don't have enough time and we think oh no this, the end is coming or we only have a limited amount of time and God is like I got time. God has never looked at a watch and went, "Oh no. We he's never. He's never even had that feeling. He's got time. And I don't know, can we, with all those things on the screen, just, I would just submit to you if we took some time more regularly and dwell on the reality of who God is, that will not just be why God is hopeful, those characteristics will affect our hope as well. So to finish up this point and bring it into the room, here's a question that challenged me, am I walking with the God of hope? And I know some of you are doing great at this. And some of you probably, maybe at at home, you guys, you are people who tend to be filled with hope anyway. And so for you, you're doing great. But others, uh, you might be a little more like me, who I regularly need to connect with the God of hope because I, by nature, am not always filled with hope. That's just me. Anybody relate to that? Anybody by nature not filled? Yeah, I can. Yeah, So, so, and I just submit to you as a testimony of my life, when rarely do I wake up in the morning and have hope, almost always after I connect with God, I do have hope. And it is not because of who I am and how good I am at my Bible time. It is because I connect with the God who has tons of hope, tons of power, wisdom, all the time in the world. And what it does is it changes my perspective on whatever I was hopeless. I get more hopeful because of the way God sees it and who He is. So we should be hopeful because of God's positive perspective. And hit one more. We should be hopeful because of our opportunity to help, our opportunity to help. Let me start with an illustration here. Uh, it's been, a, a, I don't know, I would venture to say about 15 years I've had a friend and accountability partner. His name is Brian Earle. Some of you might know Brian. Um, and uh, we've probably been friends for 20 years, and about Fifteen years ago or so I needed an accountability partner in my life and reached out to him and he was so kind and he's so we've been meeting uh, we try to meet every other week and we get together and we do usually some food and some fun and some friendship and, and some spiritual things. Anyway, here's a picture. We just met this last Saturday no Thursday. There's Brian and I. So that's in Brian's backyard where we are semi-committed to making breakfast outside throughout the entire winter. That's what we've decided that will, be, that will be a fun. So this was Brian, oh, it was good. Bacon and eggs, and I'm getting hungry thinking about it. So anyway, this is a picture that we, look at the way he's, that's, I'm giving you kudos, Brian, for his grilling system that he's creating with bricks and things. Is no one excited about that? Yeah, how many of you want to know the next time we're meeting, you'll just show up? Yeah, okay. You want to be and we should start a men's group. It's called the, we like fire group and fire and food and God. Fire, food, and God. Okay, we'll do that. Um, so we get together and again, it's about food and friendship and, and uh, w- w- to, to just be vulnerable and share a regular part of 15 years of an accountability p- partner every so often, I will bring into our meeting and into our friendship hopelessness. It just happens every once in a while. I'll be there, and I will be asking the questions, and I will share them with my friend Brian, and I will say things like, am I ever going to get over this sin? Ever. Will I ever Could I I possibly never have to confess this to you again? Or or the the hard parts when you when you feel like, oh, I'm making progress, and you think I just have victory over this thing. And then God points out another area of your life that you totally stink at and you didn't even know. And then you're like, How selfish am I? And God just, you know, He opens your eyes and He goes, super selfish. And man, I've been walking, I've been trying to be a Christian here for 30 years, and I'm like, I still have areas of my life. I don't even think God, God God's like, I didn't even reveal it to you because it's so bad. But now that you've been going so, you know, you kind of got that one thing a little bit better, so now I'm going to show you another thing. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You guys don't feel, how good are you people? You never, like, oh gosh, and that, and probably a half a dozen times, I have asked Brian and gotten feedback. I've said, should I just quit? Should I quit? Should I not call myself a pastor? Should I quit trying to be a Christian? I rarely have never thought of that. I, when I committed to the Jesus thing, I don't, but, but I have thought, I I suck. <laughs> Maybe I can't, and you know what happens in the midst of, you know what that's a description of? That's a description of hopelessness. And you know what happens? I would argue every time I can think I've been that in those positions. You know what Brian will do? Now, hold that thought. You know what Brian will do? Let's go back to our verse in Romans 15. It says, may the God of hope fill you so that you may overflow with hope. You know what Brian will do? He will overflow some of his hope onto me. That's what he does. It's not a, it's not a great illustration, but it'd be like if he was holding the big cup of hot chocolate and, and his, he's got plenty all the way to the top and I'm like dying for some hot chocolate and he goes, oh, I'm, I'm over. I got plenty. And, go, and he would take it over and go, and then I would, and he'd put some in my cup and then I'm like, we both have hot chocolate but he overflows it. Again, the verse, may the God of hope fill you so that you may overflow with hope. Now listen, I want to get really serious here. Remember back to that first picture of the learned hopelessness stuff and you got the puppy and and this is not about puppies, this is about people. We're living in a world where there are all kinds of people in multiple areas of their life, or maybe it's just a single area of life. You know where they're at? They are laying on the ground, feeling like it's over. They are not going to try to jump through. Ho- they're not going to get up. And you know what they need? They need somebody like you. They need somebody like me who knows the God who has hope, and he fills us to overflowing. They need us to bring a little bit of the hope we have and say, And a big part, I'm just telling you, a big part of this 10 weeks is not just about us receiving hope, although I hope we do that. Part of this also is, I think we're living in a world that is desperate. And I think that God, in some ways, is looking down desperate for some people who be so connected to him, so committed to him, regularly living in his, you know, feeding on him the things of the spirit so that when we're going around in the store, and in this situation, and in the family, and we realize, wow, that person needs some hope. We will have enough hope that we can go, just let some overflow on them. Oh, gosh, I have a thought. Yeah, it's probably God. Some of us would not be joining us online, You would not be sitting in this auditorium. You know what triggered your relationship with God? Sometime, some years ago, when you were without hope in the world because you didn't have Jesus, someone, and they didn't just come and, they didn't, you notice it says, notice it says overflow. It doesn't say, you know, shove down someone's throat. It's this overflowing, and you know what transformed our life? Someone who had hope, and their hope, the hope of Jesus, Overflowed into our life, and that's part of our testimony. So, the series is about us increasing our hope, not just for us, but wouldn't it be something if over the next 10 weeks, God basically answered this prayer, right? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him, so that you may overflow with hope. Two final thoughts. Don't miss this opportunity. The next 10 weeks, I am asking you to not evaluate every weekend whether you're coming to church. Don't evaluate whether you want to connect on, online. Just decide, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm in for 10 weeks. Because I think the topics that we're going to talk about will deeply impact us. So don't miss this opportunity. And then this week also, don't forget to overflow on somebody. Chances are you're going to meet somebody and you're God's instrument to bring some hope in their life. Just consider it an opportunity and do it. Why don't you stand? We're going to close. Is there uh, anyone in the room, if you're online, I'd make a comment who feels like they are in bondage to hopelessness? What I'm going to do is invite all of us at the church to be praying for anybody. You, I'm going to pray that God will break. The grip of hopelessness. It's not an easy thing. By the way, this is not something that you just, you know, grab your bootstraps and go. Well, I'll just, I'll just pick myself up. So, does anybody feel like this? You would like just some extra prayer regarding hopelessness in your life? Raise your hand, and I'm going to ask you to keep your hand up, and then I'm going to invite those around you to just, you know, gather around or fick, pick somebody with their hand up, and we're going to pray especially for them. Got it? Anybody else? Anybody? Your hand should be up, but you're so hopeless, you're not even gonna put your hand up. By the way, we're not going to ask you to do better. We're going to ask God to intervene. Anybody else? All right, so Father, we pray especially for these people. We just pray in Jesus' name. Hopelessness is not from the Lord. And God, we pray that you would break the grip of hopelessness. We come against what could have been generational curses or Or things that have been passed on to us from others. And we just pray blessing on our brothers and our sisters. And we pray that you, the God of hope, would bring a new infilling of hopefulness. Are you sure there's nobody else who wishes they were getting prayed for, for hopefulness? Is it you in the back? God, we just pray for, For I think I know that guy, that young man back in the back. God, I pray a blessing on him that you would break hopelessness off of his life. God, you're the giver of hope. Like it's part of your arguably part of your name and we pray not just for those with their hand up but I pray for everybody in the room everybody online right now folks if you're willing to give a gesture to God and like open your hands up before him or just make sure you're open spiritually God will you give us more hope I pray for today I pray for tonight I pray that the God of hope you Lord would fill us with hope I pray, God, that, that our little hope cup would get full, filled to overflowing. And I commit to you, God, we commit to you to be a person freely we have received, freely we will give to others hope. Will you change people's eternity, God, over the next 10 weeks? Change us, change others. We want to be instruments of hope in a world that could use more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.